This is Isolated Together, a pandemic podcast by Quinnipiac University. I'm David DeRoche. This episode is going to be a little different from what we've normally been doing. So I've got three students with me and the professor, and here's what we're going to do for the next half hour or so. We're going to listen to three audio narratives created by the students. They're short pieces, only a few minutes each. These stories were created for their Art of the Audio Narrative class, which is taught by Professor Ken Cormier, who's also with us today to walk us through his project. So the students we have are Tess Adams, Casey Urso, and Maggie Smith. Each of their stories are pretty different, and we're going to hear each of them, and then we're going to talk to them about what made them decide to make those projects and what inspired them, etc. This is Isolated Together. Stick around after our conversation for information on our next episode. Thanks for listening. So let's start with Professor Ken Cormier. So Ken, you are a uh, the Associate Professor of English and Director of the Creative Rights Program at Quinnipiac, and you also teach the Art of the Audio Narrative. So tell us about this specific project. It sounds really cool. Tell us what it was all about and what sort of got you thinking about doing this. Well, the class is, um, I, I mainly teach fiction writing at, at, at Quinnipiac. So uh, the class is built on narrative, the idea of telling stories, fiction or nonfiction. Uh, but I also do a lot of um, recording. I've done a lot of music in my life. So it's just a lot of work that I've done on the side. And so when I was a grad student, I decided to bring in all this audio, you know, multi-track recording and editing into the idea of storytelling. So I've been teaching this class at Quinnipiac for the last 10 years now. Um, and it's great. The students who are interested in telling stories come in. They might have some technical ability with audio already or none at all. Uh, but it really doesn't matter. We just kind of get down to it. It's very DIY. I teach them basics of multi-track recording, getting a good recording of a voice. We think about sound effects and music. And we start to think about putting together sort of traditional stories, but in this new sort of way. So the students start off by doing a, a, a vox pop, which is recording as many people as you can to answer a certain question that you came up with, and then cutting all those voices together and using music. And it, it's, it's really good practice for just getting all this audio together. Then we move to a profile piece where they where they interview somebody or several people and have people tell a true story and then edit that together with music and sound effects if that's appropriate. And then this project we get to after all that is I, I ask students to think about writing fiction, but think about it in this audio format. So they're gonna all the ideas of a traditional story, introducing characters, exposition, building to some kind of climax or whatever, but thinking about what can really work with the short format and incorporating all this extra sound and maybe multiple voices or that sort of thing. And I, and I really try to emphasize a written story, not necessarily like improv and, and that sort of thing, but they can take it in any direction they want. Uh, and as you can see, the, the, the three stories we have today are very different approaches. Uh, and the last thing I, I did, because this assignment came right before or right after we all had to disperse to our own homes for the uh, pandemic, I just sort of offhandedly said, oh, you know, you might even want to do a fiction story about people in a pandemic or something or isolated, uh, you know, in their homes. And a few of them really took me up on that. And it makes a lot of sense because this is what we're all living through. And so when they were brainstorming stories, they probably thought, well, you know, this is kind of interesting. Uh, but I really love how they're completely different approaches too. some are funny, some are kind of tragic, or exciting. So, yeah, it's a really neat thing that they did. Yeah. And so when you sent it over to me, I, I was excited because this is the kind of thing that we're talking about right now, right? Like, how do we continue doing creative things 
in an environment where our stress levels are pretty high. These can be moments where, you know, our creativity can be sparked or these are things that can stifle our creativity. So I was excited to see that your students were inspired to do some fun stuff. And I think the fact that you have this DIY approach that you've been teaching for the past 10 years kind of comes in handy uh, in a time like this when that's literally all we can do is do stuff for ourselves. There's really no help. So this is cool. So uh, this specific project, this last project that we're gonna listen to, so that's something you have done in the past, but it was more tailored to what's going on now. Is that sort of how it came together? Well, I always try to incorporate fiction into it. So they'll they'll do a lot of work. Like nonfiction makes sense for audio. Like you know, radio stories are often real life stories of what what people are going through or some stories from the past or whatever. Uh, but I always wanted to incorporate fiction, and I've tried radio drama, that kind of audio drama in the past. And I've had some success with that, but it's just so hard. You have to assemble a bunch of actors. You have to write in a really unfamiliar way. We don't have many models for contemporary audio drama or radio drama these days. So a lot of times you'll just harken back to these kind of old-timey sounding projects or whatever. So it, it was always a mixed bag. So I thought there are some examples out there where people are actually producing audio fiction. It's kind of rare, but we can find... So I actually went around and found and assembled a bunch of pieces for the students to listen to. And they're kind of experimental and they're interesting stories, but it's like reading a short story, except you're listening to it um, on your headphones or, or on your speakers. Uh, so I always incorporated fiction. It just so happened that I kind of mentioned offhand that maybe maybe pandemic stories uh, would work for this. And, and you're right about the DIY thing. I've always kind of... This, this is an English class, so we're not embedded in like with studios and all sorts of resources like that. So I've always taught it, you know, we use what we have. We used to buy audio recorders. Now everybody's got them on their phones. We use like an, an, an app on the phone for that. And they can really go and produce and we use the free um, software online that they can just download audacity for for actually producing so it's all very diy so yeah you're right by the time they got home they they basically had the same tools available to them <laughs> as they did when we were working on campus that's awesome setup i love that and so i want to turn to one of our students so tess adams is tess is actually an english and theater double major uh, and she's a rising senior at quinnipiac university so i actually got to know her through her work in the rage play which happened earlier this year and it was a really incredible production and so tess is also one of ken's students and she did a piece that's really fascinating that i kind of love so tess uh, are you good to record yourself over there uh-oh we got a puppy there's a lot of noises a lot of stuff happening right now. <laughs> yeah is it, it, does um, your puppy want to be interviewed as well he like, does. we can make that happen yeah my um my puppy does want to be introduced <laughs> so i think go outside was he actually in the podcast that you did i record i think i recall some dogs barking no that was actually fake Oh, <laughs> or, well, I guess it wasn't fake, but it was. You found the dog, dog barking. Gotcha. Yeah, it gotcha. was a royalty-free dog barking. <laughs> Excellent. Well, well played. Well, now you know if if you ever need a natural distractions, you have that option in your house. It seems like so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> tell us about your piece. Like, what just happened is sort of like indicative of your piece. Like, tell us about it before we listen to it. Just sort of set us up. Yes, what's the noises happening right now are very similar to what you hear. Um, essentially, like you said, I'm a theater major. Um, one of my career goals is to be a working actor. And so therefore, I've been monitoring what's happening in the arts right now, career-wise and creatively, and what people are doing to stay involved and stay productive. 
And one of those things was looking for voiceover work as a way to make money and also be creative because it's something you can do from home. And so as I was looking into this for myself, I also had this project assignment due for audio narrative and felt like it might be a fun piece to do about someone who's trying to record a demo reel for themselves while in quarantine with their family members and dogs and everything that goes along with that. And I think everybody who listens to this could imagine if that was their profession, trying to be a professional voiceover artist at home right now, this is exactly the kind of thing that would happen to you. So I really thought this piece hit the nail on the head with that. So Tess, just introduce us to the title of your podcast that you did. Tell us what it's called. This podcast is called Quarantine Careers Voiceover Edition. This is take one of my demo reel. Man murdered, wife convicted, Channel 8, Sirius XM Radio, bringing you the latest Lower Hudson Valley news, only on Sirius XM Radio. Shit. XM Radio. Mom, I'm in the middle of a take. Example two. It's a bear, it's a chair, it's the fluffiest bear, it's cuddles. Now you can get cuddles for only $75.99. Call 1-800-CUDDLES. That's 1-800-CUDDLES. Call now and get a free keychain. Okay, let's upload this bad boy. Special skills also include writing, marketing, producing, editing, square dancing, and Playing the harmonica. For examples of original writing, please see demo takes one through five. Type, 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 type. Okay, moving on. Example three. Ah, a nice bubbly glass of crayon wine. Mmm, bubbles. The smell of cranberries. I could drink the whole bottle. 
only 99 calories, and it comes in a recyclable box. Can you not watch golf right now? I'm trying to become voice famous. Oh my god, example three, take two. A nice, bubbly glass of cran wine. Mmm, Bubbles. The smell of fresh cranberries. Fuck me. Okay, examples four through ten will be an accent reel where I will be sharing the accents I can portray authentically. Well, hi there. Bless your heart. Would you like to come inside and have some sweet And I told her. I said, Gina, take a cab to JFK in North Dakota. I'd like two scones, a wee spot of tea, and some clotted Hello, governor. Well, that's just all right. Me tanks this quarantine's been going on a wee bit too long. That was great. So, you know, what's funny for me is like the lawnmower scene actually happened. The first episode I produced remotely, I'm staying with my future in-laws and they live in a, a retirement community. So they have you know, their lawn taken care of and scheduled in advance. And so these guys just showed up with like 10 weed whackers and lawnmowers just started going at it. She ran outside. She's like, stop, stop, stop. So, so Tess, are these things that have happened to you or did you just sort of imagine these things are what would happen to you if this was something you were trying to do? I mean, I've never attempted to actually record a demo reel for a voiceover site or agency, but I have done a lot of self-tapes for auditions. It's kind of the way that the industry is going and that I have had a lot of like dog barking or noises that just ruin a take, especially with, I think like songs, it can be really frustrating. Yeah. And I think your parents or your family members, even if they know you're doing something, it's very hard for them to keep that in mind as they're just trying to live their own life. Yeah, as we just observed. With. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> could I say, could I say a, a couple yeah. of things? When I, when I first heard that, but I, I love that piece and it's just great to hear it again. I laugh every time. But uh, the first thing I noticed was the the entrance, the, the, the music at the beginning prepares you for this really hyper dramatic narrative. You get a few seconds of that and then she breaks in with this voice reel idea and it breaks that spell completely and puts you in a completely different space and then from then the pacing it just never lets up it should it just it's so well edited and i'm not sure how much um tess i forget how much experience you had editing together not audio at before. you didn't at all right yeah so so the the that you know the way the whole thing is cut together this is what happens over a semester students will just work on this and you get really meticulous about it and it, it's, it's also like the writer in here too right so you want the piece of writing to be really uh tight and really and really good and, and well paced. Um, and the the other thing is, I, it's so great how the English part of your uh, college experience and the and the theater all come together in this piece. So you, you get the writing. You actually have the, all this this really great performance in there as well. 
Absolutely. And I, I love too how your beginning was this sort of dramatic music bringing us into it. And then sort of the abruptness of that drama with the reality, I think is really great. So you're, you're sort of building us up to have this powerful cinematic experience. And then all of a sudden it's just interrupted, dead stop by, by things that are happening in reality. And I, I love how those two things juxtapose each other. They're great. I think that like most people in entertainment walk the line between taking themselves too seriously and I don't know, trying to just promote themselves in like this age that we're in. So yeah, I've, I've experienced a lot of people like that and I just, it always amuses me. So. Yeah. I think one of my favorite lines is, um, somebody's interrupts you and you say, I'm trying to become voice famous. And that's sort <laughs> <Yeah>. of like <laughs> that sort of mentality of, you know, seeking fame for the sake of being famous or whatever, I think is something that our culture definitely might overemphasize. Um, yeah. And I remember when I heard it, when you hear voices in the industry, when you're even calling a telephone number and they have that voice uh, telling you like what number to click, this audio piece just made me realize that they're all human I don't know. It just, it put like that human aspect to all the voices you hear. Yeah. I should say a really good part of the class is that um, all the students then, even though we were isolated, we, the, all the pieces were posted and all the students were able to listen to them and then post their comments on our discussion board. And I would exchange comments. Um, and so we actually talked a little bit about this piece and Tess went back and, and did some more editing. So there's all this process throughout the semester. So we, we leave, you know, like weeks of being able to think about the story, produce it, draft it, and then get feedback and then go back and continue to work on it. So uh, by the end of the semester, they, they're a lot, these pieces just sound really, really good. Oh, that's so cool. So these are more iterative. They're not, they're pieces that sort of are worked on in a collaborative way over time. Is that? Well, certainly in, in terms of getting audience feedback. Yeah. Cause so it's, it, I do this with fiction all the time. It's like, you need for somebody to read your work to see if the impression you're trying to get through and the characters and all that sort of stuff is actually getting to the reader or like where are they confused or where are they not getting something? And then you go back and sort of like make sure that your writing is getting through to them in the way that it needs to. I think this was the first piece that I saw on the discussion posts board for this project. And I was really happy to see that somebody actually took like that kind of comical approach to this whole thing. I was really nervous that everyone was going to do like these really sad and like depressing kind of fictions about the quarantine and all this stuff. And I was really happy to see someone actually put that funny spin on it and do it so well. So that was really fun to see. <laughs> and Casey, you also took that approach, I believe. Isn't that correct? I think it's funny. I mean, <laughs> that's <laughs> up to everyone else, but yeah, I was definitely laughing at yours as well. well. We will definitely hear the serious, scary one at the end. That's Maggie's piece, uh, which is also excellent in its own right. But Casey, we'll listen to yours next, just because that was the order that uh, we, we there were actually four pieces, but we weren't able to get the fourth student on, so we could actually play them in the order that Ken had put them into. But we do have Casey's piece. So uh, Casey, also talk a little bit about your piece. What inspired you to make the piece you did, and tell us a little bit about it. I think most of the time when I approach creative things like this, I always like to do like lighthearted, uh, fun stuff that people can feel good either listening to or experiencing or whatever it may be. Yeah, for this one, I just figured I'd, I'd try to do a funny take on the quarantine and just kind of, you know, work that in there. Uh, I think a lot of people needed that, you know. I think this was at a time where a lot of my friends and a lot of people I knew were having some trouble uh, adjusting to, you know, not being able to be in school and not being able to do the things that they wanted to do. So I figured I'd just make something that would 
make people smile and kind of enjoy the time that they have right now. So I, mm. I, I mean, the goal is to make Professor over here uh, laugh a little bit. I hope that happened. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, good. There you go. <laughs> um, so I guess I succeeded in that that case. But uh, yeah, it was just something to something fun. Awesome. You know, for me listening to it, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I want us to listen to it. But um, it, it it reminded me very quickly of what it's like to have roommates. You know, I live with somebody, but, you know, this is my, my partner, uh, but roommates and sort of the dynamics of having a roommate and what that would be like in a situation like this where, you know, it's not somebody you want to spend the rest of your life with. And now all of a sudden you're spending a lot of time with that person. And these are the kind of uh, obviously you're using hyperbole and things like that. But I think it's uh, it, a lot. There's a lot of truth in your piece. So I'm not going to talk any more about it. But if, if there's anything else you want to say before we play, should I just go ahead and hit play? Uh, no, yeah, you can just go right ahead. <laughs> all right, let's do this. So, Casey, uh, tell us what it's called before I hit play. Uh, this is just the essentials. Jay, I'm back. Oh, fantastic. Did you get the essentials? Uh, yeah, I did. What do you mean? Well... I know you've been bored the last couple days, so I bought these. Jonah, uh, what are those? It's $40 worth of yo-yos! Why is there a box of yo-yos in our apartment when you were supposed to get the essentials? Well, I thought I'd buy us some yo-yos. You know, for fun. And why did you buy $40 worth of yo-yos? You could have just bought one for us to share! Okay, listen. One yo-yo was three fifty, but the sales clerk told me it was forty for forty. So I figured we're losing money if we don't buy forty. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So you didn't buy milk? No. No food? Uh, nope. Toilet paper? Negative. That's it. I'm I'm going to get ramen. Just give me my mask. Yeah, about that. What? Well. I thought you'd get cold, so I knitted them together into this blanket. Damn it, it's pretty warm. Oh, I know it's warm. Fine, just don't hurt yourself while I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, what- Ah! Oh. Yes, I got the ramen. What is that? What is what? That. Oh, this? It's a saxophone. A saxophone? Yes. Where did you get a saxophone? I bought it. Yes, but where and with what money? You know, from the guy downstairs. He was selling it and said it was something about being too loud for his roommate, but I got it for a steal. It was only 60 bucks with shipping and handling. Jonah, that was the last of our funds. Uh, yeah, but I thought you wanted some music around here, so I picked it up. I'm going to take a nap. Okay, sweet dreams. Do not touch the ramen. You got it. What now? What are you doing? What could you possibly be doing? Oh, hey, Jay. I figured I'd surprise you by cooking the ramen. Jonah, you don't even know how to cook. That is the last of our food. I mean, yeah, but I thought I'd learn. Give me that.
Hey, this is actually pretty good. Uh, really? Actually, yeah. Let's get this on a table. You want to grab it? Okay! That's great. Love that. So many things happening in there. But with all the humor that is in there, there's also some kind of fundamental questions about what is essential, right? Like yo-yos, obviously 40 yo-yos is probably not essential, but just having fun probably is essential. Casey, tell me a little bit about your thinking in creating this piece. So obviously I, I played Jonah and uh, actually my, my brother Cole, he was playing Jay. Um, this was just when he uh, got back from work because you know he had to live at home. But uh, yeah, I guess writing these two characters, I kind of wanted Jonah to be like not not dumb because he's always trying to do things right for Jay. But obviously, Jay has his priority straight, so it, it's just a weird dynamic. But yeah, so I wrote up the script. I gave it to Cole. Uh, Cole's actually an actor professionally, so he was very good to to work with. And we just we went in the basement with my microphone, and we just kind of picked it back and forth. Uh, we did a ton of takes for each line. Obviously, Cole being an actor, he kind of uh, took the lines that I wrote and kind of changed them a little bit every time. Um, so there's a lot to edit and work with uh, in that respect. Definitely, the funnest part was was uh, getting all the sounds. I do sound design for games um, all the time. So, you know, doing uh, Folly and, you know, all this stuff is really fun to me. So, you know, we just threw plates on the ground and, you know, we uh, slammed doors. We had the sacks um, upstairs, so we brought that out. So you, you did a lot of your own sounds instead of finding them. You just made them yourself. You foley them. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much everything in there is uh, is made just with a combination of things, uh, obviously some things like I think the cricket noise and obviously the full house theme. It's not, <laughs> it's not mine. You didn't record your own full house theme. Come on. Uh, that'd be great if I could, <laughs> but, um, no, like the pots, um, at the end, uh, some of the doors slamming the saxophone, uh, singing. We actually have two rooms in our basement, one with like this wood door. So the way that I recorded it is I literally took my mic stand and I, I just would like walk in, so it would kind of naturally go into it, uh, just like you are walking in the room. Awesome. Um, that was a huge part of the piece is just kind of getting the space and understanding like what is going on between both characters and the, how it's edited and stuff. But yeah, it was super fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with um, the sound quality and also the acting. You're not in an acting class, but I guess there's a little bit of an advantage in that your brother is an actor, so that that helped. Uh, but the delivery was great, you know, and I think that's the hardest thing in comedy is having a delivery that that sounds natural and not forced. So I feel like you guys, you guys really nailed it. I, I was like laughing throughout the whole thing. Uh, goofy too, which I love. You know, I, I'm a total goofball, so I, I love the sort of the goofy sentiment of it and sort of the. Uh, the good heart of the one character, you know, like you said, he's not intentionally stupid. He wants to do the right thing where he, he feels like what he's doing is, is going to help, but obviously it doesn't. But I think that that dynamic is great. 
Ken, what was your sort of response no, when, you, when you heard his piece? Well, I, obviously, I thought it was hilarious. It's funny, my first reaction was I thought that Casey had just done all the voice acting himself and that he was just doing these two characters because they do sound sort of sort of similar. Uh, but but he, he let me know his brother was in that, which is great to, to recruit, you know, to recruit actors for this. Uh, but I, I love I love the, the sense of setting that Casey mentioned. That you really do feel like you're in the other room or you're coming in from the outside. Like you really get that sense of space. And, and you're right. The way to do that, if you can, is to actually move through spaces with the mic, you know, because then you don't have to actually simulate it. But also, I just love the sense of scenes Like you, you know, each scene sort of like begins and then progresses and works toward its own climax and then ends. And then you get this little little brief space and then suddenly you hear the saxophone music and suddenly you, you emerge into this next scene um, and, and then and then the final scene. And so that, that the, the way the whole story is constructed really helps you like the listener or the reader or whatever to, to really just be immersed in it the whole time. It's, yeah, it's, it's a really neat, successful piece. Yeah, I think the music, the uh, the sound cues that you used to Ken's point, yeah. I think were great. Like the saxophone, the bubbling water, you know, all the little details that you put in there to cue the new scene really hammered home this idea that that we have moved to a different place or a different time or both, right? Obviously, maybe not a different place. We're still in the same place, but a different time, right? Different experience, different thing happening. And how about that last moment? Where Jonah just literally falls into that like theme music at the end, which is really a wild <laughs> sound moment. Uh, it's just he's uh, and then bam, and it goes into this happy music, and it yeah, uh, it, and it, it fades was actually. Out. Uh, I mean, thank you both. I mean, that's very kind of you to say. But the the last part almost didn't make the cut. Uh, I was kind of going back and forth on if it would you know land <laughs> as a joke if it would be too weird. So I actually have two versions of it, one without the music, one with it. And I was on Blackboard and I was like, I think you'll find it funny. <laughs> I put it on there. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad it actually worked. I think most people, you know, on the discussion post were like, wow, I really like that part. So I'm really glad I, I actually put it in. Yeah. yeah. So one thing about editing, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys have all experienced this, is that sometimes you have to kill your baby, right? Sometimes you have something you really like, but it doesn't fit for whatever reason. Casey, was there anything in this piece that you really wanted to get in, but it just didn't make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, like every every person who does audio or does, you know, anything creatively understands that, like, you know, stuff just hits the cutting room floor all the time. So, yeah, I think I don't want to say there was a whole scene that we just dropped, but especially during the writing phase, I was just throwing out ideas in my living room. <laughs> and some of them were good and some of them were bad. And uh, obviously those have to go by the wayside. Um, but actually recording I mean, like I said, there were a ton of takes, iterative talking lines and dialogue that just didn't work. So there's tons of files in there that <laughs> are just sitting there um, and not working out. Uh, there was a, I was thinking about adding in the beginning, like a television, like maybe like a newscast or something. So I actually had like audio of uh, Mayor Cuomo like talking and it just didn't work at all. So it's, you know, it's one of those things like, uh, Professor, you were saying where it kind of gets to a point where you're obsessing over the piece and you try to make things work, but at a point you kind of just have to throw it out <laughs> and just be yeah. like, this doesn't add anything. I'm just going to leave it how it is. So, yeah, I think it was Raymond Carver who said that he knows when he's getting close to being finished with a story, when he's taking all of these commas out and then putting them all back in, in the same places, <laughs> if you really get that obsessed with all the little details and make sure every little transition works. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's how it goes. <laughs> and that could be a real challenge to, you know, when, when you're really passionate about something, 
uh, you're very, very close to it. It can be a real challenge to step away from it, look at it with fresh eyes and say, okay, is this piece serving the listener or is it just something that is really living solely in my head? Right. And, and sometimes living in your head can also serve the listener. Sometimes those things uh, work together, but not always. And so, so I think being able to step away and be like, okay, is this legitimately funny or do I just think it's funny? It can be a challenge because, you know, we all have our own quirky sense of humor. But um, I think you and Tess both hit it for me, at least. So well done. Tess, I'll turn back to you just real quickly um, since I didn't give you a chance. Was there anything that hit the cutting room floor that you kind of wish you were able to wiggle in? I did end up editing out some of um i have sections in the piece that like repeat themselves um and so one thing that professor and i talked about when we were editing the piece a little bit was just shortening one of those sections but it wasn't like precious to me and i think i did a lot of improv when i was doing it like so i i don't know i and just to go back to casey's the added sounds and all the meticulous detail. I just want to compliment you on that because it's just really excellent. Thank you very much. It's very nice of you. Awesome. I think we're, uh, I'm having fun. Are you guys, uh, I see smiles on everybody's faces uh, for the podcast audience. Everybody seems to be enjoying listening and talking about the stuff. And this is very nerdy for me. I can geek out and talk about sound all day. Uh, hopefully our podcast listeners are geeking out with us. <laughs> That's the idea, right? So I want to turn, we're, we're going to get a little bit, change the tone just a teensy little bit with Maggie's piece. So Maggie's piece, maybe you'll laugh if you have a twisted sense of humor, but I think you're, you have a little bit of a different approach, but I think it was so awesome the way you use sound, the way you wove things together. So Maggie, introduce us to your piece. Tell us what sort of inspired you to make the piece that you made. Yeah. So unlike the two we just heard, I, having come home from school and now we're in the middle of this pandemic and we're quarantined. I made the mistake of watching the movie Contagion, the 2000. Oh, you film. did it! You're one of those. I did, okay. <laughs> and because I was like, let's let's see how similar our situation is to these kinds of movies, and it was very similar. <laughs> it was kind of eerie how similar it was, but we we weren't at that point where the movie kind of takes it to that next level. Um, and I was kind of wondering, like, what would happen if the situation we're in took a turn like that, where maybe the the disease itself. Maybe it has symptoms that are even worse than the ones that we're experiencing now. Or what if um, I know in the movie there uh, people get that mentality of like, I, I need to like go to the stores. I need to buy everything, which we kind of did see a little bit. But what if it even got to that next level of like just like that mob mentality? So I kind of wanted to make my audio piece to the extreme of what the pandemic could be. And kind of, I guess, like that the fear that everyone had of like what it could turn into almost so that's kind of what I wanted to dabble into. Which I feel like has value in its own right, because, you know, oftentimes what journalism does unintentionally is make people so afraid that they make decisions um, that either they should or should not make. And so sometimes fiction can do that as well. And I think you're using truth to sort of feed your fiction, which I think can be some of the most powerful fiction, right? Ken, there's probably some literary term I'm missing here that uh, describes that. What is that? Like historical fiction or? Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. Uh, there's uh, it's sort of dystopian fiction to me. It's, um, you know, it's just playing with that sort of horror genre, but it's real life. But it's a slightly, you know, it, it, it's you, you, you recognize what the characters are going through, but there's also that element that's a little bit fantastical. Right. Yeah. Right. And I feel like for people who are living alone, and who you can get so sucked into the news 
And there are some news shows that only focus really on the pandemic and what's happening. And if you just kind of watch it 24-7, you can become very much so just totally wrapped up in it and you can become scared of what might happen. Um, I know a lot of people who that's happened to. So um, I kind of added a little bit of that, I think, into it as well. Absolutely. So let's play Maggie's piece. Maggie, introduce us to your piece. What Tell us what it's called. Yes, this piece is titled Quarantined. Italy has now surpassed China in the number of COVID-19 related deaths. Each country has had no, more than no 3,000 We'll be allowing anyone unless they're a citizen or, or a resident or a uh, direct We will close our border to any non-residents and citizens attempting to travel 1,500 healthcare workers have symptoms. The hospital says they don't know if some of them have the virus because they don't have enough tests. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it's working, it's working. To anybody out there, my name is Charlotte Davis. I'm on Long Island, New York, and I've been quarantined for three years, 14 days, and two hours. So Francesco's Bakery, which is where I work, has closed due to the COVID outbreak. My boss, Margot, doesn't want anyone coming in. It seems like the government is pushing for people to stay at home to flatten the curve. I mean, this is just all so crazy. I feel like things escalated overnight. I found my old camera, and I thought it could be cool to document my time at home and what's going on. Month one in quarantine. Schools have shut down, and non-essential businesses too. I think the hardest part is living alone in this silence. Month three in quarantine, people want a vaccine. They're starting to get angry out there, robbing stores, rioting. At this point, everything has been shut down. The one thing I do note is that I fear that this virus is worse than I thought. Um, the symptoms, they seem to be getting worse, if that's possible. Um, and they seem to be, I don't know how to describe it. I'm coming, I'm coming, give me a second. Oh, oh my god, is he, is he dead? My, my mailman collapsed on my stoop. Oh, okay, I'm gonna bring him inside, I guess, because, I mean, there's nothing else I can, I can really do. Hello? Hello, sir? Are you okay? Oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Is he dead? What do I, what do I do when he's dead? Okay, okay, okay. Um, was he sick? Was he sick? Because if he was sick, then I'm sick now. Because I just brought him inside. Oh my god, why did I just do that? I don't even know what to do. I don't even think I can call. I don't even think I can call anyone. I don't, everything shut down. Okay, let me just, let me just go back and make sure that he's okay. Oh my god, he's gone. He's gone. Where'd he go? Where, is he in, is he in the house? My name is Charlotte Davis. I'm on Long Island in, in New York, and I'm, I'm telling you that COVID-19 is not what anyone thought. We're, 
we're talking symptoms beyond what anyone's seen before. That was really great. You know, for me, hearing the part where you bring the mailman, was that you, I'm guessing, Maggie, playing that role? Okay. Yeah. Great acting, by the way. Um, (laughs) Pulling the mailman inside, I think most of us probably realized, why would she do something like that? And then your character realizes, why did I do that? And what's interesting is I've been interviewing, you know, people as first responders, a lot of our human instincts to be compassionate have to be checked because that actually puts us at risk. But so the, the human instinct to help somebody else can actually hurt us as individuals. And so especially nurses are dealing with that. Like when somebody ha- who has COVID is having like a some sort of like negative response in the ICU, they can't just run in there and help that person. They have to put on their PPE and all that before they run in. So I feel like that scene itself is really powerful in terms of like all the strange sort of dynamics that people are having to deal with. Outside of that, there are a lot of things happening here in your piece. So tell us like what sort of like things were happening. You, you talked about contagion, sort of using contagion and, and sort of imagining the pandemic going down that really terrible path. But what were some of your choices when you decided, okay, these are the scenes that I want to use to convey this? How did you, what was that process like for you? Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to start it out realistically in the way that the COVID-19 pandemic actually did start. And so that's why it starts out with the audio clips of different news reporters and government officials um, in different countries kind of telling the narrative of how it even began and how it went from country to country. And then it came to the U.S. And then I wanted to kind of tease the audience a bit by telling them how it might end. So that's when I come in and I want to take that drastic leap from this is where we are now to this is maybe what could happen. Maybe we're in quarantine for three years. Who knows? So then I come in with that and the music builds and I wanted to kind of grow the suspense and hook people so that way they would listen to the rest of the story, maybe knowing how it might end. And then, yeah, I just wanted to kind of develop a character that people could either find relatable, um, that they could follow along because she's going through the pandemic just how everyone else is kind of day by day, seeing the differences and how things are going in that way. And then when she starts talking about how the symptoms might be different than what people are thinking in that way, that's when I wanted to kind of stray away from where we are and go to that that extra, um, the contagion kind of route of this is worse than what we think. And I was questioning, like, where should I take this? How can I get across that maybe the disease is causing people to turn into something else? It could be like a... Um, not like a, maybe a zombie kind of thing, but zombies! that like, you can say zombies, that's fine. <laughs> um, like a supernatural kind of thing. So that's when I decided, okay, we'll go away from her recording what's happening to actually seeing her at home. And, and then that, that whole thing happens with the mailman. I didn't know exactly what to do. So I was like, okay, maybe we can try this. And like you said, she brings them inside and I'm like, could it be believable that this happens? But then I'm like, you know, who's to say? Like, I feel like if I saw someone outside, Maybe I wouldn't bring them inside. I Hopefully today, maybe, I guess I wouldn't. I don't know. But um, I was kind of, what, what you said, where it's like you have to kind of check yourself. And also that added level of paranoia that people are having, where you kind of can do something and then be like, oh, my God, wait, did that? Could I now have it myself? Did I? So um, adding that to the story. But I guess, yeah, that was kind of um, my idea behind the piece. Yeah. And I think you, you definitely, you sort of uh, embodied anxiety 
in a very powerful way, you know, and used music in a way to to sort of sustain the anxiety or increase it, which I think is really challenging with audio pieces is using music appropriately. Oftentimes music can either distract or, it, you know, it takes away from the piece. So I, th- I personally feel like music is, is a very delicate thing when you're trying to use it to inform your story. But I feel like you use it in a, in a pretty, pretty strong way and addressing sort of the 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 uncertainty that we as individuals deal with now to your point that we never dealt with before the paranoia that we have just by doing a regular thing to we are, are i think most of us are driven to help people who are hurt especially if they're hurt on your doorstep right you're gonna say yeah. oh my god this person's hurt on my doorstep how do i leave them in the rain so you also had the rain happening so that's another level of stress probably and i think most of us would want to help and then think later oh my god what have i done i'm helping this person but i just brought in a potential pathogen into my home to hurt my family Ken, mm-hmm. did you have something right. you want to add? Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's such a great piece to listen to. What I love about it too, the, the class is is interesting because it's, it's technically a, a creative writing course, which is in the English department, but we do cross list. We have a cross list with game design uh, and film, television and media, which we've, we've sort of on and off, we cross list with them as well. So students find the class and then have all these different approaches. Some of them are are interested in writing. Some of the, you know, so so Casey's PC really used the sound design part because he does that with games. You know, uh, Tess using the acting and the idea of the acting reel. And here we have a really cinematic story. I mean, uh, Maggie working in film, television, and media. Everything she just described about the structure of the story, starting with these media clips, going to like you know past the climax of the story, but then zooming back. Uh, back in time and having the thing slowly build is just it's so great to see students tell stories in this class in ways that will draw on writing itself but also all these other interests and then the other thing that i was going to say was we don't have a context i said earlier for radio drama really in this country we haven't had radio drama as part of our media landscape for a long time and so one great way that this piece works is there's this self-conscious like the character is actually recording herself or making a kind of a documentary within the piece right of the pandemic and so we that helps the listeners to kind of get into it because it doesn't just feel like a radio drama piece that feels kind of strange to listen to it's like oh i feel like i'm listening to some media you know piece of, of a character doing this and then it's great because then once you establish that then you can make that leap to the actual scenes in the apartment or whatever and the listener's already kind of embedded in, in, in it so so i really like that that approach really helps listeners kind of get into it there's a whole rationale for how we're hearing the story why we're hearing it and incorporating that that media element is really is really neat yeah, I didn't even thought about that, how, you know, we really don't have a culture, uh, an audio uh, fiction narrative culture. I mean, that but that was the thing for a very long time, right? With sure. The, the yeah. War of the Worlds and all that kind of stuff. And Yeah, all the radio stars went over to film, right? When sound came into film. And really what we're doing when we watch film is we're listening to radio plays that were kind of merged with the silent film industry. <laughs> so right. th- th- all that stuff sort of stayed intact, but just melded together. So uh but yeah, these days it's hard to know. Some people don't know what, like, like, what do I look at when I'm listening to an audio <laughs> story that's, you know, <laughs> right. it's like fiction. Uh, what do I do with myself? Because I don't know, you know, I'm not looking at anything. But I do think we're so accustomed to hearing like news on the radio, let's say still, and that sort of thing. So that, that sort of documentary format is very familiar to us. So when a fiction piece takes advantage of that, um, it really, like the listener can really ease into it. Yeah, and sometimes uh, they say the scariest things are the things that you can't see. Um, and I know a lot of filmmakers run into that, and especially in Jaws, I know he ran into the issue with the shark, and for the longest time he didn't show it because sometimes people can envision something to be way scarier than if they're actually seeing it on the screen. 
So for scarier pieces, sometimes I guess audio can just work in that way. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I feel like the scene where she, your character goes in and realizes the mailman is missing, you know, I think for me, I imagine the wet spot on the floor is like all you see, right? And sort of like, do you see a trail of feet going off into some direction, right? Or do you not? And just not knowing can be scary. I think the certainty of seeing a thing, even though it can also lead to, you know, anxiety, um, but that certainty um, can also be comforting, even if it like is a negative sort of awareness, right? But not having any awareness, to your point, I think can can really raise that level of anxiety. So I, I love that. Thank, I love how you're thinking about that. That's great. Yeah, I felt that with your piece, Maggie. And I was definitely imagining and being scared of what I was imagining as I was listening, <laughs> like when you're reading a book and you right. don't have a visual of it your mind starts to invent the picture. So that was kind of fun. And I also loved the way that you played with the time jumps, like we mentioned. Um, and I think the sound that you used in order to differentiate where we were in this character's story and in the world really made it specific um, and also played into the fear aspect as well. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And Ken, it's, hopefully I'm using this literary term correctly. Uh, did Maggie start in media res? Is that correct? Did uh, she start in the middle yeah, of the action? After the, after the clips, right. Uh, then right. It was suddenly she dropped us right into that. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. right. Yes, I got it right. I remember something <laughs> from English. You get an A. Yay. <laughs> well, this is so much fun, guys. And to Tessa's point about the imagination being drawn in, I think is really important. I think one of the coolest things about sound for me is that it's this marriage between uh, the literal and the imaginative. Whereas in books, you're really purely drawn into the imagination right like the part you're reading it you're not hearing any inflection you're doing that all on your own whereas tv there's not a whole lot of imagination but radio is this or audio sound is like this perfect marriage of of your being given a certain aesthetic but you also are sort of required to use some imagination and i think those mar the marriage of those two things can make really magical stuff yeah, so i'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys awesome awesome i'm glad you guys were able to do this any final thoughts or anything anybody else wants to share i guess just it's just been such a cool experience getting to do this because this was the first time I ever <laughs> became, I guess, a voice actor. Um, and I'm in my bedroom trying to make different sounds. <laughs> and I'm like, does this sound realistic? Is this? And it was just a really cool experience getting to put it all together and do that. So I'm grateful that I got the chance to take this class. Fiction, fiction is great that way. I mean, I, I always talk about the fact that we just invent worlds, uh, whether we're writing them in short stories or this sort of thing. It's true. I mean, you just you just bend your imagination to it and you just start to put in some of that hard work and suddenly there are just people who had never existed before who are now going through all these stories that you're just inventing as you go. And uh, and yeah, that, that process can be, it's very arduous, it's a lot of work, but it can be really, really rewarding for sure. All right, Tess is going to take off. I just want to um, give you guys who who are remaining, um, since I didn't even ask this question, I feel kind of bad. Were there specific challenges? I'll start with you, Maggie. Were there specific challenges that you think are unique to the pandemic situation that were uh, that were difficult to overcome? Or do you feel like you could have done this project this way, regardless of uh, whether there was a pandemic or not? Yeah, well, like uh, the professor was saying earlier, I was able to use the same equipment that I had used at school, luckily, because I have a certain app on my phone that I use to record my voice. Um, I was using Adobe Audition, which I have on my laptop. So the technological aspect of it wasn't really a change. But um, honestly, I don't know if this sounds right or not, but the pandemic almost helped with inspiration. Like 
being in this completely new world um, and seeing everything unfolding each day definitely inspired me to make this piece. And I had all of this new, these new ideas to kind of work with. And I mean, I watched the movie Contagion, so like I had some inspiration from that, but actually living through it is kind of what gave me the idea and the inspiration to do it. Yeah. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way to, to explain that. I mean, I feel like generally, you know, we pull from our experience, right? Whether that's good, bad or whatever to create something. So if you're, we're in a situation that is unprecedented, I mean, I hate that word, but you know, it's once in a, not even once in a, in, in a generation, it's once in, you know, a century sort of situation that we're dealing with. And so how do we sort of take that in, live in that world, but then also use it in some kind of way, because it is, it's, it's thrust us to sort of think about everything a little bit differently. So naturally it's going to have an impact on your creativity and the fact that you're able to use it in a positive way to create something that um, was reflective of your creative vision. You know, I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of, you know, absolutely. We'd rather not to live in a, in a yeah. situation, right? Absolutely. But here we are. How do we do, how do we make the best of it? That's my two cents. I think I agree that, you know, there's just so much available now that it's kind of, uh, I don't want to say it's easy. It's just more accessible um, for this kind of stuff. I don't know if it's just my style or what, but I like to do, uh, I like to work with what I have. And obviously, you know, it was harder with the quarantine. Obviously, I don't have like more people. If I wanted to add more characters, obviously you need people to do that and you can't really do that right now. You had a saxophone though, so that's good. I did, yeah. So that was kind of the idea with this audio piece was just kind of looking around being like, okay, how do I have, or what do I have and how can I like, you know, piece these things together to make something actually really enjoyable. And I think that's just kind of a lesson for a lot of things. Um, I think it's really easy to kind of, uh, well, two things. One, be like, oh, what was me? I don't have what I should have uh, and this will never work. And then be discouraged by that. And I think there's another element too in this day and age where like you just have so many tools available that you want to use all of them and then it becomes a mess. So I think limitation honestly breeds kind of this really interesting creative medium that we have right now, especially in the quarantine that people should take advantage of. And I think a lot of people are, um, especially in the creative uh, sectors of Quinnipiac. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people are, are doing um, a lot of really good work with what they've got. That's a really interesting way to look at it because if you think about it, even with the internet, we really don't have limitations, right? Like any sound you want is there. And so I think as a society, we've kind of gotten, even knowledge, right? When you want to know something, you Google it. And what's interesting about the pandemic is we don't know a lot about it, right? And everything we know changes from week to week. So sort of this idea that we don't know everything. And even if we do have access to any sound we want in, in terms of making a podcast, maybe it's better to just use it ourselves. And I wonder if thinking about it in that and the way that you did say, you know, I'm just going to use what I have in front of me is sort of a byproduct of the fact that now we live in a world where we don't know everything. And now we have to sort of think about everything a little bit differently. That's kind of a really like nebulous, weird comment, but it's just, you know, you have me thinking about that. And so I think that's really interesting. I love no, that. No, I think that's you're great. right. I think it's forcing people into a corner, which is kind of nice. And the fact that you have to think more creatively to make the situation, like turn the situation on its head so it's in your favor, right? So yeah, I completely agree. 
Yeah, it's it's a great artistic insight that limits inspire creativity for sure. I mean, if you, you a lot of prompts are about you just have these three elements that you have to work with, so now create something out of it, or you just have you know this one musical instrument instead of this entire array. And so so what can you do? You know, or you just have pots and pans to clack on, and and within those limits, yeah, you can you suddenly are now inspired to produce in a completely different way than you would have otherwise with everything available to you. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. All right, guys. I think it's time to wrap up. Any Ken final oh, thoughts? I just thank you. This is so great to get together again with some of the students. Uh, it's been a weird semester, and it'll, <laughs> it'll probably continue to be weird for a while. Uh, but you no, know, it was just a pleasure to work uh, work with the students, and um, it was great to hear all these pieces again. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Right. Thank, thank you so much for having See us. You. Absolutely. See you. Take care, guys. Bye. been listening to Isolated Together. That was Professor Ken Cormier from Quinnipiac University and students Tess Adams, Maggie Smith, and Casey Erso. You can listen to more podcasts from Ken and from his students at thebenjisection.com. That's Benji with a Y, so definitely check those out. Isolated Together is a show hosted and produced by me, David DeRoche. I am the Director of Community Programming at Quinnipiac University. I also do the music. To learn more about all of our podcasts, you can visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to our episodes on the podcast platform of your choice. And you can definitely check us out on Twitter and Instagram at QUPodcasts. And if there's a story you want to share with us or something you want to talk about, or if you have a comment on our episodes, you can find us on social media or shoot us an email. That address is QUPodcasts at QU.edu. We are isolated together, but we can get through this together. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.